Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, hey there, family. It is good to be in person this week. Uh, I tried uh, being in two places at one time last week, and that had its, uh, its uh, fun parts, but I'm glad to actually be with you. There is no substitute for being together, and so I am really happy to be back uh, right here uh, with all of you today. Uh, I want to remind you that uh, we have a little, uh, if you weren't here at the very beginning, we have a little survey, quiz, you can call whatever you want, that we'd love for you to fill out. If you haven't already done this, uh, we'd love for you to fill this out. You can uh, use the uh, QR code there uh, if you want, or if you just want to go old school and go to minty.com and then type in the code 56623476, you can take that uh, online survey. Why am I having you take a survey? Because I thought it would be fun to uh, actually have to um, see what your answers were to the question that was actually asked of me to preach on this week. So this quiz is kind of taking a look at what your attitudes are about grace in the workplace and at home. And uh, in case you don't remember the question that I was asked last week, this is it. This is, the, this is the question I was asked, and this is what I'm preaching on today. It seems like our world, and even Christian organizations, give rewards on a merit-based system, what someone can or cannot accomplish. How can we, as Christians, and especially those of us who work in various organizations, offer the grace that God has given to us to others? Love this question. Really like this question a lot. And so today, my goal is to go ahead and have a nice conversation with you. And that's why I wanted you to go ahead and fill out that little survey, because I thought it might help us know where we're at when it comes to this. And as I looked at this question, I thought, you know what? I like the question. I like how it deals with the workplace, but I wonder if we could actually extend it out. And hopefully whoever asked the question is okay. I've actually extended a little further. I've extended out of the workplace and into our home as well. Why? Because I know at work, we often tend to think of work as being very merit-based, but if we're really honest with ourselves in our homes, they're pretty merit-based too, right? If you do this, then I will do that, we say to our significant other. Uh, We say to our children, if you get good grades, then I will give you this privilege, take away that privilege, depending on whatever's going on. We could go on and on, right? We live if, if... we live in a kind of a merit-based world. So is it possible to live in a grace-based world that actually functions? I think that's the, really the question. Will people actually turn out okay? Can we achieve our objectives without there being a carrot and a stick involved? If we, can we move away from that and move towards the biblical idea of grace? And so that's what we're going to talk. So this is the question. Is grace only the domain of God? Does it have a place in business and in our homes? That's what we're going to get at today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to work for you today. I thank you for the opportunity to to speak for you. 
And I pray that I would not be speaking what Ken has to say or think, but that it would truly be what you want to say to each person who's sitting here today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So let's go ahead. Let's see what uh, I know. You might not have had enough time to fill out that survey. Don't worry. Uh, It compiles. The cool thing is it's one of those live things, so it just keeps feeding in. So we're going to go ahead and just jump right into that survey. Let's take a look and see what that first question the survey was that you have started to fill out. Right now, we had about 50 people that have filled this out so far. And so the question, the first question was, my relationship with my employer is, and we asked you whether it was merit-based or grace-based. And by the way, we defined that out, right? Grace-based means that you give the best of yourself and you love regardless of the worthy actions of the other. Merit-based means that you love and give the best of yourself based on the worthy actions of others. So your employer, are they grace-based or are they merit-based? Well, right now, uh, the, it looks like it, oh, it's, it's going back and forth. We have 53 people now that have filled it out. So, but it's hovering right in that 3.7 area. So most of you feel like your job tends to be a little bit more merit-based than grace-based. In fact, we'll just say a lot more uh, merit-based than grace-based. So let's go ahead and go to our next question. I trust my employer to fairly evaluate my work performance. I am happy that 78%, 79% of you, isn't that awesome how it changes while we're talking? But about 79% of you say, yes, you do. But 21% of you say, no, you don't. We know why this is a problem, right? If we're working in a merit-based system, then it's really important that our employer be able to fairly evaluate our work. Because if it's based on what I do, I need to know that my employer is going to be able to accurately see what I'm doing. And so I need to trust that they can accurately and fairly evaluate my work. Let's go ahead and take a look at the next question. My best job performance occurs when, and the two options for you on this one were that when there are financial and non-financial incentives, or I feel appreciated by my direct supervisor and believe in the mission and vision of my employer. So when does your best job performance occur? Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, those of you who have responded to this, all 65 of you are saying overwhelmingly that your best job performance occurs when you feel appreciated and that you, and you believe in the mission and vision, that that's when your best, not that you don't want to get financial incentives or rewards and things, but that your best performance happens when you are, feel appreciated by your supervisor and believe in the mission and vision of your employer. So let's go to the next question, because this should be interesting. If work environments were grace-based rather than merit-based, mediocrity or worse would ensue. of you say that's false, but 44% of you say that's true. Now, what's interesting about this is you just got done telling me that your best job performance occurs not based on merit, but based on what we would call intrinsic values. In other words, when you feel, when you're in alignment with the mission and vision, you feel appreciated. Your best, but yet you still feel like in an organization that didn't have merit, mediocrity could, 44% of you feel like mediocrity might ensue in that kind of an environment that's more based on intrinsic values and grace versus merit. So let's take a look at our, our next question. We want, I wanted to get into our, to our families. My relationship with my parents is, and most of you said, grace-based. I love that. That's fantastic. So let, let's see how you feel about uh, your parents in the next question. What about uh, my parents love and accept me as is? 82% of you agree with that. 
13% are neutral, three disagree. Man, I love that we have some great families in here. Let's go on to the next uh, slide. I love and accept my parents as is. 82% of you agree with that. 15% of you are neutral on it and three disagree. I wouldn't be surprised at all by this because most of us view ourselves uh, pretty well, all right? Um, I started thinking about this question myself and I thought, do I really accept my parents as is? And I want to say my initial reaction is absolutely. But then there's some times where I've been a little bit embarrassed in life, not as particularly as a teenager. Um, and my parents are very cool people, so don't take any other way than I was just a teenager. But I do kind of wonder at times whether we're always honest with ourselves about how accepting we are of people regardless of versus when they are performing to expectation. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. My relationship with my spouse or significant other is, uh, 8.4 of you say that it is grace-based, uh, 84% head towards that grace-based side, and that is fantastic. Um, I, and I, maybe this congregation is a little bit different, but what we know is that about 50% of marriages fail. And I would suggest to you that maybe one of those reasons is because there isn't grace in that, that it's more merit-based. And when you stop living up to my expectation, then I'm ready to go ahead and move on to something different because you aren't meeting expectation at this point. And maybe that's the reason why that divorce. Now, what we're also seeing in the United States is the divorce rate is actually coming down. Uh, That's what the U.S. Census most recent one said. Why is it coming down? Well, there are fewer marriages occurring as well. That number, the number of people getting married is going down as well. So that's something to think about. Let's go ahead and move on to our next slide. My spouse and significant other fully understands and appreciates my contributions in our relationship. 77% of you agree, 10% of you are neutral, 5% of you disagree, and 8% of you said, hey, what are you talking about? Um, Pastor, move on to the next question. All right, so let's move on to the next question. My spouse and significant other loves and accepts me as is. 83% of you agree with that. Next slide. I love and accept my spouse, significant other, as is. 85% of you agree, 5% of you are neutral, 2% of you disagree, 8% of you said, not me, not a part of this one. All right, so um, love that that there's that agreement there. But again, I want to ask you, as you look at your relationship, be honest with you, be honest, how much of your relationship truly is grace-based? In other words, it's unmerited favor. And how much of it is, well, if you do this, then I, then I will feel this way or I will do that. Let's go ahead and take a look at the next slide. My relationship with my children is grace-based. And again, in this church, maybe that's just because it's our values here of grace. Maybe that's it. Because I, I just think it must be a lot different in the rest of the world. That's what I'm thinking. But uh, most of you see that your uh, relationship with your children is very grace-based. In our next slide... We're going to see that uh, my, if my children have tried their best, whatever the outcome of their effort, grades, sports, job, et cetera, that's fine with me. 68% agree with that. 6% are neutral. 3% disagree. And 20% of you say, I don't have children, Pastor Ken. All right. So, but what I want you to think about this again, I want you to dig deep in this because is that really true? I mean, all of us, I, I think most people I know will say, if my child does their best, I'm okay with it. But then if I'm honest with myself, when my child has come back with something less than the grade I expected, I say, you didn't try your best. 
And my child says, well, but I was trying my best. And we have a discussion on that. And sometimes I think I'm right. And then there's been times as I've looked back that I've thought, you know what? They were doing their best based on the circumstances that were happening to them in the school environment that they were in. Maybe it was a teacher that wasn't particularly helpful to them. Or maybe they were going through a place where they weren't feeling loved and accepted by friends. And that that was a difficulty. And so it made it harder for them to be able to study. So the key to this is when they've tried their best, because we often will say, well, that wasn't your best. And that's our get out of jail free. So we have to be really thoughtful as we go about this. Let's take a look, another uh, look at this. My children know I love them unconditionally because I have told them and demonstrated it. 68% of you agree, 6% are neutral, 2% disagree. Um, it never ceases to um, impact me. The uh, adult children that walk into my office and tell me that they have never heard their parent tell them out loud that they're loved. And I'm glad that that appears to not be so much the case here at Whole Life. But I can tell you um, in the rest of the world, it's a real issue that love is not always very well demonstrated or spoken through our parents. And so um, if you've been blessed with that, recognize that you're blessed because that's not what everybody grows up with or expects. So what I'm trying to get out with this is that we live in a world that often focuses on the merit-based side of things. And we feel like the carrot and stick is the best way to get results. So that grace-based idea, love and the best of yourself is given regardless of the worthy actions of others versus the merit-based is that love and the best of yourself is given based on the worthy actions of another. We live in that, well, but does that just apply to church? Does it just apply to family? Does that actually work in business? I want to talk to you about a couple concepts that we love to talk about in organizational leadership. Um, my master's degree, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, is from Gonzaga in organizational leadership. And this is one of the things that we like to talk about a lot in organizational leadership is what motivates people, what gets them to accomplish the goals of the organization. And so what you have are two different ideas of motivation. The first is this idea of intrinsic motivation, motivation that comes from internal values that are being satisfied. And so what you're looking for is people that align with the values, the ideals of your organization not because they're going to get a reward, but because it satisfies an inner part of their soul. So this, that's what's called intrinsic motivation. The other is called instrumental or extrinsic motivation. And for the most part, what we're going to call it today is instrumental motivation. This is motivation that comes from something outside of yourself. It's the idea of a reward. You're going to get a bonus. You're going to get more time off. Your, your uh, employer is going to put your name on a plaque. These are the, the ideas when, that we are going to talk about when we talk about instrumental motivation. So what happens is, is that the, the interesting thing is that most organizations really feel like the extrinsic instrumental motivation is the way to go. I'll give you a bonus, and that'll make you want to perform and meet the sales quota this year. I'll give you more time off if you go ahead and make sure that you're putting in the time in the office that needs to happen and you're meeting our goals. And so the question that I perceived that was being asked to me today is, well, does grace really work? And I would like to suggest to you that this instrumental motivation is kind of the opposite of grace. And that grace has a lot more to do with intrinsic motivation. That, that grace is kind of like the water that, that waters the seed of intrinsic motivation. But is that really something that really works in the real world? Let's go ahead and take a look um, at the research. Um, 
the research is actually overwhelming. I've just picked out one study because that's all I have time to show you today. But probably one of the foremost experts on this particular topic is Yale professor Amy Rezanuski, and she studies how people find meaning at work. And Amy, a couple years ago, did a study of West Point cadets. She went ahead and met a whole bunch of incoming West Point cadets, and she went through and coded their motives for coming into West Point. She, she, she looked at whether they had intrinsic or extrinsic or both motives coming into West Point. And then what she did is she followed them through their career for, for many years. She measured how many of these people graduated from West Point. She measured how many of them then got early promotions once they entered the military. And then she also looked at how many of them made the military a long-term career option. And I'll let her tell you what she found out come into West Point with strong internal motives for being there, do better on every single outcome that we study. They're more likely to graduate from West Point and become commissioned officers. They're more likely to be identified as being part of this early promotion pool. Um, And they're more likely to remain in the military after their mandatory period of service has ended. Um, On the flip side, those who have strong instrumental motives um, are less likely to be in the early promotion pool. Um, They're less likely to remain in the military after their five years of service is up. The interesting thing is this. We find that even for those cadets who are internally motivated to be at West Point, to the extent that they also hold instrumental motives for being there, it harms the likelihood that they will have any of these outcomes, making it through West Point, becoming uh, part of the early promotion pool or remaining in the military following their five years of service. And so most uh, in people in common logic, I think, would argue that if you have one motive for doing something, having two motives to do it is even better, that it would make your motivation more persistent, stronger, and so on. And what we find is the kind of motive that you have matters. And in this case, holding more than one motive actually harms the likelihood that you will perform better, persist longer, and survive in this system. So it's impossible to think of an organization where doing a good job does not result in some sort of instrumental outcome, whether that's pay, bonuses, recognition, things that are, again, um, not necessarily inherent in the activity itself, but result from that activity. And the argument that I would make with respect to the implications of this, I want to be very careful because I've been asked, does this mean that we should pay people less? Because then they would focus on the internal benefits of their work. That's not at all the implication that I would take from this, and it's not the argument I would make. It's not that you should reward people less. It's that you should not focus them so strongly on the instrumental rewards of their work. Pay them fairly, reward them fairly, acknowledge them fairly. But the confusion that comes when the consequences of our actions get substituted as motives for our actions, there's the danger in that is the danger that we're trying to show with the results in this paper. I think probably one of the most shocking things to me was that I was with her. I thought two motives would be way better than if you can combine instrumental and, you know, intrinsic. Then, man, you're going to get this great outfit. But even those people were harmed by that. The, the best outcomes come from people who are intrinsically motivated. That They find the meaning inside themselves. And they say, this is why I'm here. This, I want to do this for this reason. So when it comes to our homes, when it comes to our work, the best people in those organizations to help those things flourish and go are the ones that have that intrinsic motivation. So how do you find that? Well, I want to suggest that grace, again, is the water, the water that helps the seed of intrinsic motivation grow. So how do we show grace in the workplace? 
I want to suggest to you that, that, that we have, most of us have a fundamental misunderstanding about what grace is. We think that grace is somehow glossing over problems that grace never addresses. And it's just basically, I'm good enough, you're good enough, let's go ahead and move on. That's not grace. I want to apply grace at home, at work, and really everywhere else. The first thing I want you to know about grace is this. Grace doesn't treat everyone the same. Grace doesn't treat everyone the same. Treating, as my wife likes to say, and she's a pre-K teacher, treating everyone the same isn't fair. If she gets a child with a special learning need in her classroom, treating that child the same as every other child isn't fair. One of the things that we saw in, this, in the beautiful parable that was betrayed, portrayed up here for us was that everybody was not treated the same. And it, it came across as not being fair, but it really was. It was the landowner being good to these people. The next thing I want you to know is that grace speaks the truth in love. We have this idea sometimes that if we're going to be grace-filled, that we can't tell people hard things. That we can't say, hey, you made a big mistake at work. This was a big problem. Hey, you are being unkind to your fellow workers. That needs to stop. That's actually the opposite of grace, to not do that. Think about grace. Grace is unmerited favor. So that rude, nasty person doesn't deserve what you're doing. But you know what a favor is? To let them know that it's not right. It's a favor to let them know. You're actually helping them by doing it when you say it in love. And we see that uh, spelled out in Ephesians um, chapter 4, verse 15. We see that all through. Jesus says some really hard things to people, but he does it lovingly. That's grace. The next thing is that grace has boundaries. We, again, at work think, well, if I'm going to be graceful, that means that people can do whatever they want. No. You know what? Children and employees thrive when they know where the boundaries at work are at. This is what the expectation is. Don't do this. Do this. We all feel a lot more settled and happy when we know what the expectation is and when it's clear. So grace has boundaries. Again, it's a favor to tell people that. We see it in the Bible, the Ten Commandments. Here's a boundary for you. That's what God says about his law. If you keep this law, your life is going to be better. It's a boundary for you. How about grace goes the extra mile? That landowner had no, they they didn't have to pay their employees more, but grace goes the extra mile. How many of us would get so much more out of our employees if we actually went the extra mile with them? If instead of giving up on them, we actually went and got down with them and worked with them. I remember my first summer working at camp, I had an employee that I really decided I didn't want to bring back for the second summer. And I prayed about it over the, uh, the, the interim. And so interviews came around in January. And I sat down and I spoke the truth and love to this person. I said, you were a terrible employee last year. Here's why. I know that doesn't sound loving, but it was loving. I explained, this was, this was not good. This was not, you know, at the end of it, he, he was a little bit hostile. And then at the end, he was like, but you got some points there. And so he said, I really think, Pastor Ken, if you'll take a chance on me, I can turn this around. I'm so happy I did. He was one of my star employees for the next three summers. Fantastic. He was awesome. So many times we give up on people too early and we actually lose out on great employees, great marriages, Great friendships, great relationships, because we don't go the extra mile. We don't say, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to go ahead and give 
a little bit more of myself than feels comfortable to give. Grace also listens and seeks understanding. So many of the times we, as employers and leaders, we'll talk to people, but we won't listen to them. That employee who isn't performing, is there a reason behind it? Is there stress at home? Is there, is there, are there financial issues going on in their life? Did they lose somebody they love? Are we listening and caring about what's actually happening in their life? When our spouse blows up at us, are we, are we filled with grace and, and think, well, maybe this isn't all about me and I don't need to blow back up and I just need to listen and hear? When our parents talk to us in a way, do we stop and think, well, maybe they had a rough day at work? Do we listen and seek understanding in our relationships? That's what grace does. And finally, grace helps others find the joy, meaning, and fulfillment in their life. Sometimes the kindest thing you can do to somebody is fire them. It's doing them a favor because they're not happy where they're at. They're not finding meaning in the work that they're doing. You ask people who've been fired, and many of them will tell you that it was the best thing that ever happened to them. Now, I'm not saying you don't work a process. I'm not saying that you just go out and fire people and say, go find your way. But what I am saying is that sometimes hard decisions are what's in the best interest of another person. If you as an employer are interested in finding the best for another, you'll show grace. I know that one of my favorite bosses ever found out that I had been offered a job by a competitor and told me to take it. Because she was more interested in my joy, meaning, and fulfillment, and she knew that that other job was going to be better for me, even though it hurt her to have to find somebody to fill my position because she was happy with me. Grace in the workplace is the way to go, my friends. We, these are practical ways each one of us can show grace at work, at home, and really anywhere. And if we do it, I want to suggest to you we're actually going to get a better result than if we do the old carrot and stick. If you do this, then I'll give you that. That's a short-term answer. The long-term answer is grace and helping people find intrinsic meaning in their life that overflows into their workplace, into their marriage, and into their relationships. While it's the uh, more difficult path, I want to suggest to you that extending grace at home, work, and all aspects of our life is far more likely to get us the results that we desire than living in a merit-based world. All right. Now is the time where I get to ask Ken some questions. Um, if this is your first time here, this is our part where our online community and you as well are able to directly participate. You can submit questions on either our church website, wholelife.church slash live in that chat room, or join us on Facebook. And uh, we already have some questions in, and I have a question of my own. Um, that um, So we'll just get right into it. But you guys, uh, if you want to get it in, Put them in right now because we don't have a whole lot of time for a lot of questions, but we will always answer them in the podcast if we don't answer them here. So, um, And that podcast is called This Is Whole Life, which is available everywhere that podcasts are heard. And now that I've said all of that, let's get into that Q&A. Good right. job, so, Sally. Good job. Um, I, in, I do film, and a lot of my industry, there's, a, there's like a million and one film festivals, and sometimes the results of those fil- films that are receiving rewards aren't very good. And I can't help but say that this may turn into a celebration of mediocrity uh, sometimes, which is very harsh. I understand that. But how can we extend grace to everybody and keep it from being a 
uh, celebration of mediocrity. I actually think that merit-based brings more mediocrity than the opposite. Mm. And I think you'd think – I mean think about the, your film fest you're talking about. These are merit-based things that are happening. You have a panel of judges who are judging people. Um, and, and so how they make those judgments sometimes are not very fair. Um, in a merit-based world, it isn't always fair. And so, yes, there's some mediocre things that turn up. I think in a grace-based situation, um, it isn't that every child gets a trophy at the end of uh, at the end of the season, but it is that what we do is we celebrate what needs to be improved, mm-hmm. as well as what went right. And we talk, we speak uh, all those those uh, six different things that I listed out there. We speak the truth. We go the extra mile for people. And when we do that, I think that actually pulls us out of mediocrity. Because if we speak the truth, we say that that film wasn't particularly good, as opposed to saying, hey, we're just going to have a, a, we're going to vote the best. And we don't necessarily have to give our rationale. We just vote the best. I think that, I just, I tend to think that that we get a better result when we do that. Hmm. Is part of it maybe not knowing? the results in the end, kind of like the parable where that kind of feels like everybody got a participation trophy, um, which I know a lot of times is like what millennials are blamed for, why they've ruined society uh, is because they received merit awards their whole life. I, I think that, um, I think that every generation has its uh, pretty big flaw. Um, and I don't know that I think that I don't know that it's, a, it's good to celebrate mediocrity, but I think the idea of us together versus us competing has some merit to it, mm. um, that there's some merit to uh, being in it together versus me being better than you. Mm. And in the end, every single person did get exactly what had been promised to them in that parable. The people who began working, they were happy with that wage until they saw other people being able to take home a wage. And you think about that. These, those people who, had, um, who came at the end of the day had families that they needed to feed that had been looking for work all day long is what they said. Nobody's hired us is what they said. And they, were, they had to go home to their family and they were thinking, how am I going to feed my kids? How am, I gonna, how am I going to subsist? And the generosity of the landowner was that he helped them feed their family for that day. He helped each one of them feed their family. And I think that's I don't think that was rewarding mediocrity. I think that was going the extra mile, caring about the bigger picture. Interesting. Very good. I like that we're on the same team mentality of maybe where the thinking of that parable Why does it bother us so much when somebody else gets something that's good for them? Mm. I'm not going to answer that one. All right. Um, (laughs) Next question is from uh, Julio. And he asks, um, how do I know the limit for grace? Like someone can uh, can abuse your grace. What do you do? That's a good question. Um, And I think, you know, it depends on the situation. I think that firstly, grace doesn't have limits, but grace does have boundaries. And grace does have speaking truth. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there are times when people cross over boundaries repeatedly that the boundary has to be enforced. And that's not unloving and that's not grace-filled. It's just saying that's the boundary that's been talked about. You are told, you know, you chose to do different. I'm not being ungracious. I have gone the extra mile for you, but what you're doing is painful, hurtful, damaging, hurting the organization. And so 
after giving you opportunities to change, you've chosen that that's not what you want to do. And here's a severance package. So here's my grace. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Too far? Maybe. Whatever the, you, you know what, uh, whatever you want to talk about there, Stanley, <laughs> no. we, can, we can go there. Oh, man. All right. Um, I'm being told that I am out of time, actually. Um, but I have one more important question. This is uh, a question from one of you, and it will be the topic of next week's sermon. We're continuing the series called Great Questions. And the question is quite a long one. Here we go. Um, every year we receive a variety of questions that fall into the category of Adventist doctrine and culture. Uh, we did our best to compile these questions into two categories. And so next week you have the option of answering one or both of these questions. All right. Okay. <laughs> one or both. So option one is how do we as a church stay focused on Jesus when so many and our denomination believe that our mission is to fixate on major doctrinal issues, political hot potatoes, and or cultural preferences. So that's option one. That's one. Okay. Ooh, and I started right. get an option to do both of these. This will yeah. Okay. We went long today. We're going to go longer next week. Yeah. <laughs> option two, as someone not raised Seventh-day Adventist, I've embraced the warmth and freedom I have found at Whole Life Church. Awesome. Um, however... I've heard that our church is different from other Adventist churches. What am I missing if this is not the norm? Ooh, all right. <laughs> Very good. All right, uh, so I look forward to, I'm hoping you answer both, but. Um, might have to start my sermon preparation a little early this yeah. week. Start this afternoon. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> thinking about Sabbath school being a good time yeah. to get going. All right. Thank you so much. And if you ask, we did get some questions we didn't get to ask. Um, they will be on that podcast called This Is Whole Life, available everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.